0: Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you, and it's good to see you all here. Um, On this Christmas morning, we're going to spend some time briefly looking at the Apostle Paul's words in John 1, verses 1 through 14. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up. It's also printed in your order of worship. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. full of grace and truth. This is God's word given to us for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, on this Christmas morning, may you uh, help us to see and hear afresh the good news of great joy that is for all the people. Remind us of what Jesus' coming means for people like us and why it is worth celebrating and rejoicing this morning. May you bind us closer to you and to one another by your word that is written and who stands among us by your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I was uh, meditating on this passage this week, it made me think about how often two people can have very different stories of the same event because they've experienced it from two different perspectives. Like back when Rachel and I were dating— And on the night that I had planned to propose to her, I really wanted it to be a surprise, even though we were on a fancy dinner cruise on Lake Michigan. Now, I was worried that she would notice a big uh, ring-sized box in my pocket. So I stashed the ring where I knew she wouldn't find it, in my right sock. Now, even though this was a brilliant hiding place, I was able to feel it uh, shifting around all night in my sock. And that made me compelled to check on it often. And the only safe place on the boat to check on it was the bathroom. So here and there, I would excuse myself and go to the bathroom to check on the ring to make sure that it was there. And I would put on this little white glove that the jeweler had told me to wear. And I would shine it up a little bit and get it ready for the big moment. And then on my way back to join Rachel, I would take a side trip to, the, to tell the band when they should play that special song for us, or tell the waiter when he should bring that special dessert. I was like a five-man team. Now, what didn't occur to me was how this all looked from Rachel's perspective. Until she leaned over concerned after my fifth trip to the bathroom in three hours— And said, honey, are you okay? And then she very kindly suggested I go to the doctor the next day to get myself checked out. (laughs) Now here's the thing. Her observation about the events was accurate. But her understanding about the meaning of the events weren't because she couldn't see the larger picture. She wasn't privy to it. And i got to be honest, it took a lot of explaining, even after the proposal before she understood how stealthy an operation this whole night was and that she was convinced that I didn't have a UTI. (laughs) Now, if you'll allow me to make the leap, um, we could think of the opening chapters of John's gospel as the Christmas story from God's perspective. This is the point of view of the team behind the operation. In contrast... Matthew and Luke give us the perspective of those who are very much on the ground level. And that human perspective in Matthew and Luke really is the easiest for us to relate to. And those are the stories we love to hear about on that first Christmas. A baby born to poor parents under the light of a star laid in a manger. The shepherds, the angels, and the wise men. And when we enter into the story Through their eyes, it is both wondrous and baffling. But it is John's gospel that tells us a story from the crystal clear lens of God's grand purpose. I imagine that John 1 is the way that the angels and the archangels would have told the Christmas story. John begins with these unforgettable words In the beginning was the word. And when we hear in the beginning, the pages of our mind should be flipping back to Genesis, the very first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now John intends for us to see immediately that the Christmas story is a direct continuation of the story of creation. That what happens at Christmas harkens back to the very good beginning of the world. And John reminds us that in the beginning, God made all things through his word, who is with God and who is God. Now, what gets translated as the word, in the, Greek word in, the, in, in the Greek language is logos. Now, this would have been a very familiar term to John's audience. In Greek philosophy, logos means the divine reason or the mind of God. Now, John gives the word a few other names in our passage as well. He calls the word the light and God's only son. And so we are to understand that it is the word, Jesus, who was the Father's agent in creation, founding the earth and constructing the heavens. And it is Jesus who sustains all that has been created, seen and unseen. The land and the sea, our complex bodies, our souls, our creativity. And now John says that this mighty word tabernacled among us. He has pitched his tent alongside of us. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. The word has moved into our neighborhood. The incarnation of Jesus means that the mastermind and the maker of the whole dazzling universe now has a birthday and a hometown. The life that is the light of all mankind limited himself to a body like ours, a person we can see with our eyes, hear with our ears, and touch with our hands. St. Augustine, in his Confessions, said that he read all the great philosophers and nobody, and I mean nobody, had ever before conceived of God tying his lot to that of humanity. And church, that is exactly what Jesus does. He is God coming in flesh, not merely as, a gar- as an outer garment that he would later cast aside, but as his true form and figure Forever. That's the amazing thing. The incarnation that we celebrate this morning, today, will actually never end. Years ago, the famous anthropologist Margaret Mead was asked by a student what she considered to be the first sign of civilization. And the student expected Mead to talk about fish hooks, clay pots, or grinding stones. But Mead said the first sign that an ancient people had reached the point of becoming a true civilization was evidence of a femur that had been broken and healed. Mead explained that in the animal kingdom, if you break your leg, you die. You cannot run for danger. You cannot get to the river for a drink or hunt for food. You break your leg, you become someone else's dinner. A broken and healed human femur is evidence that someone had taken the time to bind up the wound, to carry the person to safety, and provided for them as they recovered. And what Mead saw as a wondrous turning point in ancient human society is merely a shadow of the turning point in human history that took place when Jesus the true light that gives light to all people, stepped into our world. In a world where the darkness threatens to overwhelm us and kill our hope and joy and peace, the word arrives, bringing with him all the glory and the goodness that we long for, that we're made for, but can barely even imagine. And Jesus Infuses into our lives the beginning, the rumbling of recreation. And in the world that Jesus is remaking, enemies will learn to love. The word orphan will be stricken from the languages of the earth forever. That our nervous system will forget loneliness and fear. That the lion will lay down with the lamb and our children will be able to play safely in the den of a snake. The word who became flesh heralds such a glorious future for us. And in that future, no matter where we set our feet in this world, darkness will never have a foothold again. That the ground underneath us will not be shaky or uncertain anymore. John writes, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The fact that the word holds the world on its axis and also wears a body like ours offers us comfort and reassurance that not only will the darkness be overcome, but that a good day is coming when light will shine into every dark corner of our world and our lives. You know, my family watches a version of a Christmas carol every year without fail. Man, and I love, I love those lines at the end that describe the man that Scrooge becomes. He became as good a friend, as good a master and as good a man as the good old city ever knew. And it was said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that truly be said of us and all of us. I love those lines. And church, to keep Christmas well is to live in the hope of Advent all year long. It is to keep our eyes peeled. It is to keep our eyes open for signs of our King who has already come and who promises to come again. And we see his glory in the beauty of creation, we see his beauty in the nurturing of friendship in the growing generosity in ours and others' hearts. We see his glory when we feel others come alongside us to help carry our burdens and when we learn to help carry others' burdens. We nurture his glory growing in us by our prayers for one another, our laughter together and in shared meals. These signs fan the flame of our hope For our joyful partnership in the good ending that God has already written for us. A new heavens and a new earth. For the grace and truth of Emmanuel. God with us. Amen and amen. Merry Christmas everyone.